You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Donnie Spiker. Good afternoon, everyone. Hey, welcome. Greg Hectus. Hey, everybody. Hey, and Mackenzie Stevens. Hey, how's it going? On the show today, we'll look at how iRacing's impact on the NASCAR Chicago Street Race took place. We'll take a look at all the goodness for what might be coming up in future iRacing builds. And we'll check out a full-scale motion off-road simulator and a full-scale formula rig to drool over. And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all the great topics and products we'll be discussing by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. Hope to see you there. Mac, we have a story about Max Esterson going real, real car racing. Yeah, so it's a, a tweet here by Formula Three. So he's gonna join uh, Roden Carlin for the Silverstone and Budapest rounds. Um, he's replacing his fellow countryman Hunter Yeni. Yeah, this is interesting. I haven't actually heard of Max Est- Esterson. Mike, you probably might have been on longer, a lot longer than I have, but. I usually follow the Americans through the the formula ranks, and um, uh, it's kind of obviously sad to see the Yini fella go, but um, he wasn't performing, so it's uh, somebody else's opportunity. Yeah, Max won a opportunity. I think it was in a Skip Barber, um, where he came. He won an i racing competition, ended up in a real car, and he's kept at it. And now he's got a new opportunity as he's going up the ladder. So that's pretty cool. Who's the kid that just recently? competed in the skip barbers this isn't him is it no that was another that was um well dan weldon's son right sebastian weldon is that who you're talking about no our skip barber uh participant from uh late last year he won the championship um and then he went on to win the real skip barber championship i don't think this is the same guy yeah no it's not i just looked him up but it's good to see. So it's saying now, Mike, would this guy be an iRacer? Well, he came from iRacing. I mean, that's how he's got started like in it. racing. I would absolutely say that he is. Yeah. I don't know. if Can we call Shane Van Gisberg, Gisberg in the same thing? I don't probably hey, know. That. You know what? I, I wasn't on last week's show or the week before, but he's got like a, a crazy high I rating and oval and – I do have to be, does your main thing have to be iRacing to be considered an iRacer? Or can you be a professional driver who enjoys iRacing and actually competes at a high level on iRacing? Why can't we call him an iRacer? What's the problem with that? Yeah, it's both. But it boils down to it, yeah. But yeah, he's crazy fast, so. Whew. All right, well, congrats to uh, Max uh, on the F3 ride. Pretty cool. I'll take this next one. This is a video that came out today by DJ EJ 
gave his listeners a flavor of just what an encyclopedia on iRacing might be. It's an hour and 21 minutes. I got through most of it, actually. Now, to understand the breadth of discussion topics that he goes over, and I'm going to read off a list of just the topic names that he covers for 10 minutes between minute 22 and 32. I just randomly clicked into the middle, and uh, I wrote down all uh, for 10 minutes the, the topics. And so I'll read those now, but I, I want to say that not only does he say the topic name, but he gives a, a nice paragraph or two explaining what it is, why it's part of this list, what is relevant, and et cetera. And he, he does a very good job covering every possible topic you could think of about iRacing. Um, so let me just read that off. Here we go. Grass physics, meatball. 40-piece discount, Scott Speed incident, lost IndyCar license, outdated track scans, New, Jer New Jersey Motorsports Park, tech track forever, downtime testing, Chicago street course made in iRacing, Nim Cross, Joss Verstappen, Kern County, Talladega car launch, no Le Mans Bugatti circuit, Spa 24 incident glitches, broadcasting forever for certain cars, Dega got a pit, Hidden Dale Jr., Verstappen practicing F1 overtake, Gen 4 is an accident. Fuel savings techniques. Discontinued world championships. Brake dragging. Nibon 5 versus the setup shops. And there it is. That's 10 minutes of the hour and 21 minute video. Uh, pretty neat idea uh, for new people or people that just want to absorb everything there actually is to know about iRacing, like a history, all the details and tidbits and little things that you can do and not do. This is a great one-stop shop to get that ton of knowledge in in a, in a sitting yeah this is actually um i like this channel i like i never saw dj ej, EJ um he, he did a lot of arca back in the day he still may um but i from what you listed in that 10 minutes is is uh sounds awesome i will give this the full go uh this weekend it does sound like a really fun watch um that scott speed incident so I remember hearing about iRacing several years ago and then never hearing it about it again, just because I was a console player at the time. But I remember the Scott speed incident was, it made it um, to, to regular news or regular sports news, I should say. And that's what kind of put it back on the map for me. Then since then I kind of would peek my nose back at iRacing from time to time to, to see what was going on. So I, I remember that one pulling me out of the dark and making me think about iRacing. Well, Scott speed was uh, a big, person to help with the development of the rally car um and rally cross as it came out on iRacing and he was a very visible uh you know proponent for that and he you know worked on it and so he was associated with iRacing because of that and it was just a few months later it was like that was in the fall and it was like the next spring or something and he uh basically was in some kind of road course race uh and I don't know, he got slighted or something. And so he went after the guy ahead of him and he ended up like, you know, cutting the grass, you know, across a very long ways to, you know, T-bone this guy just perfectly and time it, you know, and try to nail him. And, and he did. And, and so it was a public kind of a uh, ban. He got a ban from iRacing basically. And people knew about it. Yeah. I can't remember the course, but in my mind, I'm visualizing Indy road or the Charlotte Roval. I'm visualizing one of the two of those. I could be obviously completely wrong, but for whatever reason, I think it was 
one of those two tracks. You know, this is a neat video for us just to get topic ideas. Like we could pick one of these 10,000 topics he goes over and, and turn it into a topic, just like we just talked about Scott Speed. I mean, there's so many different things that he brought up that I'm like, oh, yeah. And, and every one of them I know about. Now, I think there were some obscure ones that he mentioned that I didn't know about. So it, I, I do think it is worth a listen. Pretty cool. I actually invited him to come by the show and, and talk about his video, but he, he was at work. All right, Donnie, how about more moon car, more moon car madness? Yeah, Gavin Cornelius wins another crazy moon car race at Talladega. Uh, what makes this spectacular is obviously um, Moonhead's uh, play calling, the commentary of the video, and we put his videos on here quite a bit. Um, what makes them unique and exciting is how completely off kilter they are and how different they are from a traditional uh, racing commentary. So I always um, made light of it saying, I would love to see this guy actually get an opportunity, maybe start him off on flow or something and maybe up to Arca just to see what a different type of personality would be like. Obviously the cursing couldn't happen on, on real TV, but maybe it could on flow who knows. Um, but honestly um, knowing what he looks like now through the Landon Huffman YouTube channel, I always pictured this guy to be like 45 or 50 years old, but he's uh, a kid in his 20s, I think. And um, so it's it's awesome. It's awesome to see. The guy who destroyed Landon's ride? <laughs> yeah. It's crazy you can destroy uh, – I mean, I'm ignorant, but you can destroy a late model on a short track like that. But he, he bent the crap out of it. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to take this one. We can't uh, – props for SVG. I wanted to point out, or I did point out on the Twitter, imagine an iRacing podcast that cor correctly predicted that fellow iRacer Shane Van Gisbergen would win this NASCAR race. Well done, Shane. We are proud. And uh, Drew Adamson also tweeted out after the uh, the race, hey, an iRacer wins on an iRacing built track. What an awesome moment for NASCAR and motorsports history. Yeah, somebody else is calling him an iRacer too, it looks like. Yeah, we got some forum post uh, about it as well, and it was an interesting race, let's just say that. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it, honestly. I was I was nervous going into it, uh, watching it as a fan, and I just can't believe how, how much I enjoyed the race, even during that middle stretch when it was uh, not a whole lot happening. It was just weird to see, um, and then it didn't turn into just a complete – you know, shit show. It actually worked, which was kind of shocking in its own right. Oh, I got so pissed when they screwed Chris Bell and and Shane and all these guys on that. You know, we're going to call the race, and so they had to pit, and we had new leaders come up, and and he had to come up through there. And and man, I was confident and cocky in the chat. I just knew he was going to win it. I just knew this guy is a second and a half faster than everybody. And and. Um, and sure enough, I mean, he was started like 18th or something, and he just marched his way up there one car at a time, and he was delicate about it. He wasn't like slamming fast and get out of my way. He would get up to a guy, and he'd kind of let this guy, you know, do whatever he's going to do, and then he goes around him, you know? Yeah, he. What I, what I saw that was most impressive was the way he would enter a corner and how fast he was in the corner. He was just faster than everybody um, on the middle part of the corner and how he entered it. And then he just obviously held it through the corner. It was great. He just seemed to run so much smoother than anybody else. 
Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, Kyle's and I, th or was it Case? They said, uh, you know, they should be embarrassed, or he's going to go back and tell his friends that we suck. And they do. They do. <laughs> we can't hear you. I'm sorry. This is probably the most perfect opportunity a first timer has ever had um, to win a race like this. I wouldn't think the Cup guys would be embarrassed. I mean, they're, they seem super excited that he won, which is weird. Uh, NASCAR is super excited that he won, but it seems like the fans are like, uh, you know, maybe these guys suck, but I don't know. Everybody seems to be celebrating it on an industry level. So it is what it is. I mean, there's case law for for uh, the supercar guys coming over and doing well to a degree, but not really doing that well. Yeah. So I think and he said at one point, the top to any of the top 10 in supercar could come over and do what I did today. Let's do it. Bring them on. Now get them That's on. That's what oval, I'm saying. But they need to do an oval. You can't just be doing these road courses. Get them, get them doing ovals as well. Well, I, you know, Justin Marks has really hit on something with this team idea with bringing in different drivers and, I hope it culminates in like a, a, a full-time ride maybe for Shane or, or someone like him, uh, you know, so they can take a shot at it. Pretty yeah. Cool. Yeah. There, I would want to see him in a top team. I don't want to see him going to Spire or nothing, but he also a seat has to open up and um, there's probably a couple opportunities where I would see an owner booting out a, a guy for him. So I think there's an opportunity. Yeah. Bubba's not safe, right? I mean, you got Bowman <laughs> with Chevy and, Stuart Haas seems to have a couple seats that they wouldn't mind filling somebody better with. All right, Mac, what's coming up next? Yeah, so uh, this next one, we got a, a season four build thread. Uh, there's nothing that's confirmed. Quite a few, quite a few maybes here. Um, Kern County Raceway Park, Anderson Speedway, uh, another LMDH vehicle, the 1978 Pontiac Grand Prix, and a micro 600 cc yep and then teasers they say maybe our rain project and tire model updates yeah we're halfway through uh week four of this season we're already talking about next season but a couple on here that i'm interested in are the micros because the midget is hard as hell and i would like to start with the micro uh, dirt racing side um obviously rain we need we need that but obviously make it good um, yeah, there's a few on here. I'm sure as the season goes along, this will build up and we'll get some, some leaks here and there, especially with that, um, that charity race, I racing will, will run. And then some of these, uh, down the list, they confirmed for some future build several circuits, uh, Zandvoort, Mugello, Misano, Putamal, Putamal, Pukaka. I can't even t say these circuit to let on. The modern ARCA car body for Gen 4, I, I'm still waiting for that. No, that would be for the actual ARCA series, because now it's just weird. The ARCA series weird now that you have a Gen 4 series, and then you got to drive this the older um, car body in that ARCA series. So I think that is to get the real ARCA car into iRacing. And then right below it, a... there you go, Mike, updates to Gen 4. Right, and then Dirt AI, and then Major Oval Dynamic Track Updates. I'm kind of looking for that, too. They said they learned a lot in dirt that would, would help pavement. Uh, and then there's unconfirmed rumors, future products, uh, modern North Wilkesboro artwork update, Florence Motor Speedway, 
Winchester Speedway, Formula 3 update, and some cars. Pretty cool. Well, I mean, uh, what's the big one? I mean, that would on that list. I don't think there's a big one. I'd say the big one is still still rain, but that it's it's been in the talks for so long that it's just a matter of when it comes out still. All right, pretty pretty cool. Justin Pearson, you just showed up. Welcome. How you doing, guys? I'm sorry I'm late. Are you ready to be thrown to it? How about the next one? Nail in the coffin. Yeah, yeah. Mike J.R. Armstrong posted in the forums that we have the new iRacing dirt and pavement are undrivable. I, I haven't seen this post yet. Um, oh, I mean, we heard a lot of good things about the dirt overhaul after the release, but I am hearing some some negativity in the forums too about the dirt and. Um, this thread kind of covers some of that negativity. It was in the 410 wing sprint car dirt uh, forums. And uh, yeah, J.R. Armstrong basically started out saying it's undrivable. Yeah, this guy's a longtime iRacer. He's been on the service since uh, 2009. Um, I've only been on since 2020. I don't know anything about dirt, but I've, I've driven more dirt recently with this new uh, update, supposed update, and I've been doing really well. So I don't know if that correlates with what they've got going on, but I don't know about being undrivable. Maybe uh, he doesn't really talk about what kind of cars he's driving. He does mention the sprint cars for pavement, a uh, couple uh, comments down. But if you're going to make claims like that, we got We need to know specifics so we can maybe throw our two cents in uh, if it's worth it. But, um, but yeah, I got to know what kind of cars and what tracks he's on and stuff like that. I mean, there's so definitely we, people saying both ways. Mark Coffin said it's great. They run it in leagues. But then farther did. down, uh, we have the guy, uh, Rick Watson. Now, listen to this. He says, I'm 66 years old. I got into dirt oval racing in the 70s, sprint cars since 1989. This new build is junk. Nothing like driving a real sprint car. They should have left it alone. It was fine. Now, I don't even want to participate in iRacing dirt. I apologize, um, and I apologize to J.R. Armstrong. He does obviously specify the cars in the dang uh, 410 wing sprint car uh, thread lobby. So, yeah, he is talking about this car specifically. So I apologize. That was uh, incorrect of me. Go ahead, Mac. Sorry to cut you off. Uh, I was just going to say he also says right underneath here that he's uh, also talking about the pavement sprint cars, too. Well, they haven't been touched in a decade, so uh, they need an update for sure. We all know that. But this guy, Rick Watson, I mean, he's been a dirt oval racer since the 70s. He runs sprints cars since I was a teenager. I mean, this guy should know. I mean, and he, he yeah. pretty much spells it out. And the same thing with uh, Armstrong here. I'm looking at his profile. He's a 1981 USAC Midget Series Rookie of the Year. So he obviously has driven the cars as well. So we always say on here, at least I do, that I want to hear the criticism from the people that actually drive these cars or have driven these cars, and he's one of them. So maybe we need to take his word for for what it's worth. And maybe, I don't know what iRacing employs, what they employ for um, developments, testers, but they need to get people who have driven these cars. Uh, they need their input. Yeah, and... You need specific car input. Like, you know, it's one thing to have a dirt late model driver on staff to do testing, 
but but I mean, do we need a, you need a guy to run? That's a sprint car guy, right? I yeah, mean, absolutely. I'm sure that, yeah. So now I'm looking anyway, at it from an iRacing point of view. If I see this post, I'm like, damn it, we need to contact uh, Mr. Armstrong here and see what we can do better. There's a few heavy hitter names in this thread, though. I mean, if you go through and dig out, who, like you said, and look at the resume, there's some heavy hitters uh, weighing in on this. So anyway, uh, yeah, be aware of that. I, I, you know, I haven't run dirt really. I think I ran it once after the build, but I couldn't tell the difference uh, in anything. Um, and so obviously I have no idea what I'm talking about when it comes to this kind of thing. So like you said, we have to defer to experts. We don't have any iRacing participation in the thread uh, from staff yet, but hopefully they'll jump in soon. Well, they do got some staff members that are real life dirt racers. So hopefully they're helping out and hopefully they're uh, hopefully working with these guys somehow, maybe pull them in somehow, get their feedback. I don't know. All right, Mac, how about uh, some Chicago floating lights, UFOs? <laughs> yeah, we got a, a forum post by Cade McKee here. He uh, he says there are nine or so floating lampposts in the statue section with a couple that are really bad, and you can see the bottom of the post from in the car. And in the picture here, he's got them all circled, and you can see they're they're all off the ground. They're all at different heights. One of the, at least a few of them, you can see that they're over to the wall. I don't really know how they uh, they messed doing that up. I, I, two of them look kind of close to the ground, but most of them are way up, and you can tell. It makes you wonder, do they place these things from the driver perspective only? And that's why it doesn't really matter if it's touching the ground, because they're, you know, it's, it's kind of on the other side of the wall. Uh, there was a Michael uh, Hinkle, a staff member, posted, uh, thanks for sharing this problem with us. The issue has already been reported, and their team will be bringing those light poles back down to earth in the new, near future. So I haven't been on to see if they are brought back down or not. Did you guys notice, um, obviously they couldn't continue the race because of darkness, but did you guys ever see shots of it at night with the streetlights illuminating the track? It actually looked pretty freaking cool. I just well honestly, yeah, obviously, I don't think they could race in that condition. Maybe they could, uh, but I just thought it—I just thought it looked neat. Added a different element to the actual street course um, genre there. But I mean, for stuff like this, um, did you notice it, Mike? Driving, I was too worried about not hitting a wall. I did. I actually spent five or ten minutes uh, control F twelve and then control Z with the mouse buttons flying around like a bird. Uh, looking at the uh, Chicago, um, looking at the artwork that Greg Hill and his team have done. I don't think I've ever seen a track that looks just sharp, outstanding. The the cityscape, the big buildings, as I flew around like a bird and looked at the track and the fountain was super cool. Uh, I mean, you can park your camera right down in front of the fountain. Is Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of neat stuff to look at. Um, I was kind of looking for the Dale Jr. Steve Myers. Uh, couldn't find him. Yeah. And I wouldn't go far and say like whoever um, this gentleman is uh, posting this is nitpicking at all. No, it's got to, we have to have people out there like yourself looking for things. And this guy obviously found some stuff to call to their attention just to make it even that much better. So I'm sure they'll fix it. It'll be, it'll be different the next time the cup series goes there or maybe even um, this season. Who knows? All right, Donnie, you pick up the next one. Logos galore. 
Yeah, iRacing has it announced. You can download high-definition iRacing logos to your i to show your iRacing pride. The recognizable iRacing logo is a fixture at racetracks around the world. So you can go to their website. Uh, let's see, I'm on iRacing.com forward slash resources forward slash logos forward slash, and then you can go to iRacing brand marks, iRacing esports logos. Uh, the 2023 special events and uh, logos for iRacing special series. So this is, I'm assuming, where all the YouTubers and whoever makes flyers and posters for their their broadcasts and their leagues, they'll they'll get their logos here, and um, you can also get your iRacing ones as well. Wow, well, I kind of like the idea of you know grabbing a, a logo for NIS, you know, or something like that, and stick it on the car or whatever series you're running. You can actually get the logo for the series. That's kind of neat. Yeah, I've got the NIS one on on my Cup car. Um, yeah, they're and they're good quality. Obviously, they're going to be good quality. And um, whatever anybody's making, if they're making a a win poster for themselves, or like you had made your your car poster, you could uh, grab some of these logos from there. Maybe Bobby yeah. did. <laughs> yeah, high quality stuff. Yeah, it was a couple of weeks ago. We there was a different resource page. I can't even remember what it was. And now this is the second one we found. I downloaded last year's logos. I have them. On my computer now, I just couldn't remember where I got them from. Now, obviously, this is jogging my memory. Let's transition to events. Porsche Series qualifying is announced. Kicks off July 22nd. The Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup qualifying series kicks off with six weeks of wheel-to-wheel -wheel action in the Porsche 911 GT3 Cup car. Open to any driver with a road license of B40 and up. These races take place at 1845 GMT every Saturday with multiple splits based on I rating and now, got a schedule. Yeah. Now, Mike, is this their road to pro in essence? Yeah, this is road to pro. And, you know, basically you get six weeks of getting points um, and they take the however many from there. Now you have to have decent I rating to really compete because your championship points are, you know, go go with I rating, you know, uh, you know, order of magnitude. So if you don't have like a, you know, a five thousand or higher I rating, you really don't have a chance, to be honest. It says the top fifteen uh, point scores will earn entry, and so that runs through the rest of July and through the uh, month of August. So yeah, I mean. Even if you don't have the I rating, participate anyway. I mean, what a better way to 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 learn, you know, to gain I rating against the best, you know? See how you stack up. Wonder how many splits they'll get. Okay, Justin, how about SPA 24-hour uh, reminder? Yeah, um, iRacing I put out a reminder um, talking about the SPA 24-hour, uh, telling about when the events are. I guess they're between july 21st and 23rd uh there's four different time slots and all right is any of us going to do this race or qualify i don't think so i haven't heard anyone talking about it yeah they'll have the eight, track. Eight, yeah eight gt3 cars and that's it looks like okay and then mac how about firecracker 400 yeah um Registration for the eracer.gg Firecracker 400 is open. So it's uh, presented by Thrustmaster. Uh, uh, watch competitors race for a chance at the $12,500 prize on Twitch. 
it is the the prelim qualifiers are july 12th to the 13th 25 dollars to get in non-refundable i believe uh, it's format daytona right yeah yeah daytona like a the pepsi 400 or the firecracker 400 uh the format is july 12th and 13th which is coming up are the qualifying races that determines 88 drivers who move on to first and second and then the 18th and 19th the next week it's two round qualifying to set the 43 car starting lineup and then they have july 24th the firecracker 200 and then the big show july 26th the firecracker 400. are you going to try this mike no i don't pay to race i i kind of gave that up several years ago like kind of an additional expense that adds into everything and i decided just to not do it but i think i would do okay i mean this is a, a car i and a track i excel at i've never I'm, ran the 87s or i'd think about doing it just be careful when you're in the lead at daytona or talladega that thing will get wild yeah you get the fresh air on it and you can't hold it anymore i, I had a real big problem with that for a while I, i'd get to the lead Every race, I'd start in dead last. I could get to the lead no matter what. As soon as I got there, I'd spin out. You got a knack for that Speedway stuff, Mike. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll talk about Atlanta Dega later. All right, Firecracker. I, I heard Landon Castle, too, t on the Twitter today say they already have over 200 people signed up, and they do have a max. Um, he didn't say how, what the max count is, but if you want in, you need to get in now. And the Donnie, another reminder about the race for more 2.4. Yeah, we're still a couple more weeks away. August 3rd will be the running of the, I guess this will be the third year for the iRacing and the National Multiple Sclerosis Society. They're going to team up again for that multi-class event. And during this event, um, that's when they start leaking out their, their stuff, some of their big stuff. And I guess is the more money they generate, uh, the better the the rumor they might release or, or the leak they might provide. So I remember following this and um, it actually became pretty, pretty popular as time went and, and donations started coming in. So I'll be looking forward to this one again. It's um, August 3rd. And then the different run times are the typical run times for special events. So look those up uh, in the, in the racing series tab. Um, I checked the donation page for MS society and uh, they have 2,740 raised so far of the 50,000 they want for the goal. They also show for a $100 donation, you get a nice decal of the uh, event logo, which is a really nice looking logo. A $250 donation will get you a travel mug with that logo. And for $500 donation, a nice trucker hat with the logo across the top. I love that hat. Wow. 500 bucks. Wow. But it's a good cause. And if you guys can afford to help uh, uh, multiple scler sclerosis, please uh, pony in and get you that hat.
Podcast Housekeeping. Make sure to leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us. Mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. Check out our Discord, where you can get involved in the discussion. In fact, if you were in the Discord this week, you saw what I spent my money on this week before we talk about it on the show. So go get involved. Get on our website for the show notes with links to everything we talk about at iRacersLounge.com. And we are in regular performance, regular rotation at Performance Motorsports Network. Fantasy, Donnie, what do we got? All right, so this past weekend was the Chicago Street Course. Uh, winning Chicago was iRace and Mason. Second place was Red Do- Res Dog, and third place was NASCAR Jedi 2. Looks like we have Tony Rochette fourth, uh, Tony Groves, fifth, Stephen Lou Allen was eighth. I think that was the last or the rest of the Tifosi in there. Um, and overall standings, Mason Racing is still leading the league with Canadrian. I think they're swapping back and forth pretty good. So, yeah, Chicago kind of sucked for me since I forgot to put a lineup in. You know, it's funny about that. I was going to text the group or send a message to the group saying, don't forget to set your lineups, and I didn't for whatever reason. And I completely forgot to say, I, I just think I had in my mind, they weren't going to race. And all of a sudden they were. Yeah. At one point, Tony was uh, sending screenshots to the group because he was leading in the league at the moment of that race. I, I don't know who was leading at the moment, but uh, yeah, he did pretty good fourth overall for the day. Yeah. It's funny. Some weeks he's quitting because he, he runs bad. And the next weeks he's up there. I think he's actually won a week or two. Uh, not too long ago. So it's a grind. It's a, we all get reset at the playoffs. Like it gives us a little bit more motivation, but I think that's three or four weeks now I've missed where I've completely haven't set a lineup. So that'll kill you for the entire regular season. I had two drivers wreck. I had true X. He spun out and then Tyler hit the tires. Yeah. Tyler Reddick. Yeah. And those two drivers are most likely who I was going to put in. So it wouldn't even have mattered. It sounds like. Yeah, I mean, you would expect Reddick and Truex to run really, really good at this track. Something happened to Truex at the end where he just decided to wreck every corner. And um, that was kind of uncharacteristic of him, but different track for everybody. So that was, it was fun to watch. The race was fun to watch. Justin, you were there in person. Did you actually get to, how'd you experience the race? Yeah, kind of a little short story. Well, it rained the whole time, but uh yeah. Uh, so I've been listening to all the podcasts about everybody talking about the race, you know, the Denny Hamlin podcast and all that describing how it went and they're pretty accurate. So the Xfinity race went, it rained that obviously that got shortened because of the lightning, but what they all said on their podcasts and it was true. The security was going around saying the race was canceled immediately after the lightning strike when it was clearly on TV. They were trying to still get the race in, waiting the timeout. So there was total miscommunication between Chicago and NASCAR. So that was kind of the first thing. But then we go to the, the NASCAR race, and that was actually for a rainy, soggy mess. That was awesome. It, it was the first road course I've ever been to. So I was kind of... I didn't realize I wasn't going to have the field of view like I do at a circle track. So I was disappointed there, but I got used to it. And I, they got a little work to do, but I see this being a huge event. 
you told me the biggest surprise you didn't have anywhere to sit correct oh, i forgot all about that so i got the general mission plus tickets and when i seen general mission plus and i bought them you know i puffed out my chest i thought oh man these are kind of you know under vip and all that which i was mistakenly wrong <laughs> uh yeah i had a general mission so i had views of i got the track map up so i was kind of in the section between halfway between two and three and all the way to four and I had a big TV I could watch and watch the whole race. And yeah, and my tickets were, uh, I want to say 280. And to get a seated seat where I could sit down permanently, I got corrected on this. I told Mike it was 800, but it actually started at 450 to 3500 to get a seat where you can sit down. I had to stand the entire time. So I was watching turn 11 and I was seeing the grandstand seats there and you basically only stared down at the entry for turn 11 and then you might get to see around the corner. My thought of about a road course is going your route is getting the general admission and maybe getting to walk around and, and pick and choose where you want to go and just uh, experience the whole day. So getting a permanent seat at a road course race might be a little off-putting for me. So I think you went the better route in my opinion. Yeah. There's, there's, yeah, they just need more seating, just places. Try to find a more field of view. Uh, like I, and I, I, I wish them the best on this track. I think this thing would be the coolest track ever. Like was, I said, was this your first cup race? This is my second one. So I went to Martinsville two years ago. Okay. And I've seen plenty of, you know, circle track races at the local stuff, but this is my very first road course. And that the guy that won that Shane, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name, but you could tell he was better than everybody because like I said, I was halfway in between two, two and three. So I could watch the entry at three. So all the drivers would have to pedal that, that dog leg. And about every one of them would about backfire the car because they would abruptly let out of the gas and you hear pop out where he would just so slightly let go. You could just hear the motor just um, go down RPMs just a tick and that he was gaining a tenth every lap just on that corner. That it's interesting because I was lifting for sure <laughs> through the dog leg just so I would make sure I had enough time to break coming on the other side. And that was a, another thing I was going to say I forgot about is I never got a like, obviously it was raining and I only wanted to be there to watch the race. I didn't want to stand there more than I had to. And I was about a 20 minute train ride from there. I luckily I have in-laws that live in downtown Chicago or real close to it. So it wasn't that long to get there. And like all the, and like they said on some of the podcasts, um, you know, we were promised all this entertainment, all these, you know, four concerts and all that. And we never got it. They never even put them on the stage. So that was one downfall where you plan paying these premium prices for this event because you paid more than a regular NASCAR ticket. So that was kind of big. I'm, I may be thinking about buying tickets for next year and telling the guys, you know, at the ticket office, hey, cut me a deal. You know, I went here. I'm dedicated. Never got to see the whole entire thing, maybe like 80 percent of it if that makes sense. Yeah, this is a NASCAR run event. So, I mean, there's always a shot of giving them a call. I know they, 
when I went and bought Phoenix tickets for 2020, this was different. They they canceled me due to COVID, and they gave me my money back plus 50. percent And then 2021, we we had the tickets again, and then my son got COVID, so I couldn't go because we were staying with some old people out there. And uh, so they gave me my money back again plus another 50%. I'm like, holy crap, I can buy the next three years of Phoenix tickets just on what they give me back. So I ended up going last year. But yeah, so they were very accommodating as long as I was going to put the money towards a future. Um, so it was a NASCAR, yeah, NASCAR on track race. All right, what do we got for this week? Who do you like? So <laughs> roll the dice. It's Well, you got your good plate racers, but um, I'm I'm... My son said it today, but I've been thinking about it all week. I'm I'm wanting a Corey LaJoy win, and I'm hoping this might be his week. I'm hoping. Obviously, I want Ryan Blaney to do well, but uh, Corey LaJoy will be my my sleeper. I'm not a fan, but Joey Logano, I'll probably have him in my lineup. Yeah, you can't go against Joey on these kind of tracks. And it, the same guys always rise to the top with the plate track, so it's not a it's not a a gamble every time we all know the cream rises and it's always going to be the same five, six, seven guys. So, um, unless they get caught up in something, but usually the, the winner of the race isn't, I mean, chase won this one last year, I believe Did they do this twice. They did it twice last year. Um, but yeah, I'm just excited. I'm excited. I'm just, I, I don't want rain. Let's just get a good weekend in and let's get back to normal. It's getting hot now. I'm going to go out on a limb, Brad K. I mean, he's 11th in points. I he mean, needs he, it. He, he, yeah, he, he's, he's really turning that RFK around. Uh, I just saw a great video um, of him being interviewed by Kenny Wallace this week on Kenny's channel. Um, but Brad K., I mean, I think it's time. You know, maybe this is his breakthrough, and, he, and he's good at these kind of tracks. That'd be a good one. I'd be happy for that one. I think he just needs one big break, and his team will do well will exceed more than they are. And then uh, to finish up Atlanta discussion, Donnie, you guys were talking in the chat earlier about some new pit road rules. Um, Do we need those in iRacing? I guess is my question. I I think this was a big topic for us last, last year when they decided no this year, darn it. They, we've already had an Atlanta race this year. I believe I'm so messed up, but that when they announced it for this year about the pit road entry being off a turn, be, going into turn three, we talked about how's that going to work if you want to pit under green. And I think if you pit under green from way back there at 45 miles an hour, you were going to go two laps down. So I'm hoping with this uh, speed increase, at least on the apron portion where it looks like it's going to be that it can prevent that. And then absolutely we'll need a fry racing. Well, obviously we'll get it this week. But hopefully we get it for uh, next March, April when they go back. What do you think, Mike? They have to have it, right? Yeah, let's match it up. I mean, I'm still waiting for the choose cone. So maybe they'll uh, they'll put it in when they put the lights on. So when they hit the apron, they got to be at 90 mile an hour. Yeah, this spring was whatever the pit road speed limit was, 45. So there was that commitment line, and we all saw that picture of it and it was just very weird to see the commitment line so far back and it was obviously the beginning of turn three so yeah they got to be at the speed limit at that point and it actually worked i remember in the race we all thought it was going to be there's gonna be some issues but it, it actually worked out well in real life 
Metro Ford of Chicago delivers to you. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, we have over 160 vehicles in stock. Living large or strapped for cash, good credit, no credit, doesn't matter. It's all good at Metro Ford of Chicago. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com to view our complete inventory and tell them Patrick sent you. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 35 years. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Hardware Software is sponsored by Metro Ford in Chicago. Back, let's talk about my new favorite button box. Yeah, Dave Cam gives a review uh, the Precision Sim Engineering Pro Switch panel. Uh, we've talked about this for the last couple weeks. I didn't actually get to see this video, so I don't know what he thought about it. Oh, he, he said to buy it for sure. Um, the thing we learned about this thing is it's fully programmable by ShimHub. The, the lighting effects, the blinks, the lights, the colors, uh, everything is fully programmable. And that's all the stuff that we were wondering, too. Right. And so he even uh, put together for 10 minutes uh, his own little profile in ShimHub. Um where you assign to different colors and and you can make it do cool stuff like the yellow comes out it flashes like an eye flag and it's yellow you know or the blue flag comes out it flashes blue you know that kind of stuff but um even when you're on you know pit lane and you're in the pit lane limiter it it gives a indicator a, a visual indicator and so it does all that cool stuff that the sim hub integration does for my formula wheel for example it does the same thing with the lights on my wheel and so this button box basically does the same thing so i can't imagine if you had both of them going and it's all incorporated it's going to look so cool the build quality dave cam talked about outstanding uh, from this company precision sim engineering everything they make is just awesome and and dave confirms that uh, it looks like it's so tiny in his hand. It, it almost looks like an iPad mini, the size of it. You know, it's not thin. It's really thin. You know, it, you know, the mounting options are incredible. Yeah. I, I can't say enough about it. And so, yeah, he said it was his new favorite button box, basically. I mean, take my money kind of thing. I'm kind of glad I didn't buy it though, because I held out, you know, I, I've been trying to manage it, not to buy it yet. And I'm glad I did, but we'll talk about that later in the show. Uh, let's go to Donnie, a uh, rig review. Sim racing setup on Instagram has a, looks like an automatic seat adjuster setup. Uh, shows off a custom rig with fully automatic seat adjustments. So for the listeners, it's a wooden console and it looks like actually a whole wooden chassis because the seat's attached to it as well. And in the middle, uh, just in front of the shifter, are a series of levers and knobs and switches that uh, the user here is manipulating and the seat's going, uh, it's tilting back, it's tilting forward, it's sliding back, sliding forward, um, and rising down too. up and down. I think it's neat. I'll just say it's neat for the ingenuity and somebody's time that they put into it. Um, I don't know how practical it would be for sim racing, maybe just trying to get in and out of the rig easier. But, um, but yeah, I mean, just somebody doing something you know, creative on their own and making it work. 
It looks comfortable. I think I, I think I saw this and I said, you know what? Donnie needs a seat slider. No, I like to struggle. I like to struggle with everything I do. So it's, it's a fun way to live. It, it looks comfortable. Now I got to admit my original rig had a, a lean to it. I mean, it had a, you know, a, where you could lean back, I guess there's a lever and you can push it back. And, and that was kind of nice. So, you know, once in a while I would just lay back and, but it, it eventually gave out where it, on one side, it kind of pushed back and the other, it didn't. And, and it wasn't, you know, firm like it needs to be. So I don't know about moving seats, but I don't think I've ever seen one like this. It reminds me of my grandma's Cadillac where the, you could have all these levers on the side of the seat and you could just move it any direction you want. Yeah. I feel like after a race, man, like you got to flip the switch and now it just moves up ever so slowly. And you're like, come on, man, I want to get out of this thing. And it's, it moves a little slow, but I mean, it's probably depending on what kind of power it has in the motoring and the battery. But other than that, it's, it's well done. I'll say that. All right, Mac, how about uh, pineapple grips? Yeah, Carl Gosling reviews the pineapple grips for the, the Ace Attack wheel conversion kit. Um, so first of all, let me interrupt. It's not grips, even though that's the name of the company. What they're selling here is a, uh, a QR or quick release conversion, uh, kit for the Ace Attack wheel. Yeah. I'm on their website and I'm thinking like, I, I don't understand what I'm looking at here. And then they only are showing pictures of the quick release. And I was like, Oh, why don't they mention that as well? But yeah, obviously. Yeah. It's, um, Looks cool. Uh, shows the wire going through. I'm assuming I'm looking at a semi cube one on their website, and it, it makes the wire flat, flush within a quick release mount that you can attach to. I think they have two two wheels, Mike, the Sim Sports La Prima and the Sim Sports Forte that you can purchase for to mount this to a a variety of actual different um, wheelbases. Right. So this is the what you need if you want to have an Asetek wheel onto a semi-cube base. Yeah, they they offer the opportunities for semi-cube, VRS, Moses, Simmagic, Camus, if you want to buy that one, and uh, AccuForce. So it's nice. It's nice to be able to, if you like this uh, Forte wheel that they got going on, but you don't necessarily want to buy their, their wheelbase, you can, you know, put it on the wheelbase you already have. But Mac, is there a demand for this? I mean, are people really want to buy this this wheel and put it on some other base? I don't know. Honestly, I think unless you upgrade your base from an Asetek to a SimuCube, I think there's enough wheels out there that there's not really a need for this. So unless you already yeah. have the wheel and up and upgrade your your base to a SimuCube or another one, I guess, from an Asetek, I'd yeah, I just don't really see a need for this with all the wheels out there. I don't know. With with everything we've heard about the Asetek bases and the reviews, this is an end product, right? You're not going to upgrade from an Asetek, okay? You, that's, you're going to live with that, and that's going to be your base forever kind of thing. It's one of the, it's just like when you get to a semi-cube. You know, you're not going to upgrade that. Um, and I just don't see, you know, people who have this particular wheel. Oh, wow! I'm going to move to Moza, and I'm going to get this Pineapple Grips QR so I can take my wheel with me. You know, I just don't see it. Maybe. Remember, this is the Forte wheel that one uh, reviewer, I forget who it was, 
was pretty dismayed about the color. Uh, it's got a lot of black and orange, and I really like that kind of color scheme. But um, when he actually got the wheel, there was a lot less orange than it was shown when it was originally launched. I think it was Carl. Was it Carl? Yeah, I think it was. Where it showed, uh, you know, they showed the product when it launched, and then when he got the product, it looked quite different. Okay, Justin, you have the next one, an off-road truck simulator. Yeah, this looks real cool. Yeah, a guy on Instagram, T-H-E-R-J-3-7, put on Instagram his full-size off-road truck simulator. And it's a real rally truck, dirt road truck, on motion with VR goggles. I think this is about the closest you can get from sim to reality, just about. Pretty cool looking, uh, you know, what a neat visual, you know, with the actual truck and it's up on his hydraulic arms and you have to step up into it and, and then put on the VR goggles and you can't see any of it. <laughs> yeah, it looks great. I'd love to see the inside, how they have the pedal and, and uh, wheel mounted, but, um, I like that it's mainly independent and you got cables running back to the computer and whatnot. Obviously you have to have your hardware inside there, but um i i don't hate this thing this thing actually looks pretty spectacular now it says in the description the motion is done by our friends over at cxc simulations out of southern california uh these are the motion rigs cockpits that are known for having like these hydraulic arms that come up to the the top of the back of the seat and they kind of move the seat kind of uh, around uh yeah and they're not they're not cheap the cxc simulations I'm looking at their Instagram. They got some pretty awesome builds. Yeah. A side note, um, Donnie was talking about looking, seeing, interested in seeing what the truck looked like inside. When I was at the Chicago race, they had Tyler Reddick's 45 car out on a show. And that's what I did is I took a bunch of pictures inside to try to help me with my FOV here on my rig. That's a great idea. That is an awesome idea. I sat and they let us sit in like uh, Christopher Bell's at Phoenix and, for whatever reason, it just completely slipped my mind. Standing in line, I want to do the exact same thing you were doing. And by the time I got in the car, I completely forgot about why I wanted to sit in the damn car in the first place. They're about arm lengths. They're about three to four inches from that dash we see. So that's what I kind of go by. Say that again. So you know that, you know, the digital dash you got in the sim with the next gen car. And when they're sitting in a, an average size guy, like I'm, six three i guess i'm not average i'm a little taller but their finger when they stretch out their arms they can be about i would say about four inches away from that dash reaching out so that's why i try to get my fov in the sim like to get the distance from the wheel so you, you, they can't reach the dash is what you're saying correct can you reach and, the dash when you're sitting there uh I, well i hit the screen i want to say no i'm i'm I put mine now where I can't, but okay. before I did, okay. before I had the dash right above my base, but now I got it back a little farther. Did you ha happen to have the steering wheel in there with you? No, I never got to sit in the car. Um, I just took pictures. You took pictures. Yeah. I was talking about my own cockpit. I always envied Mark Martin and the way that he gets that steering wheel right up and against him and he gets his forearm up against the spokes of the wheel. Um, I'm a, I, I actually tried to mimic that with my rig a little bit, but I could never get it actually that close. I mean, 
And so I'm, I can't, I'm not quite close enough where I can get my arm on it, but um, I'm close. I'm on that CXC right. simulators website. They got some spectacular simulators. Uh, this is pretty crazy. I'll have to give them a cruise later on. Yeah, they're somewhere in your neck of the woods. I know Southern California, LA area, but not sure where. McKenzie, how about SimRig SR1? Yeah, so SimRig is reintroducing their SR1 aluminum profile motion rig. Um, it's available for ordering as of today, they said, and I think this is a, a sweet-looking rig. Boy, it's clean, isn't it? Clean lines, low profile, motion. Wow. Now, it's missing the, you know, what, what I call the SimLab P1X uh, shifter cross brace, you know, a place to mount a shifter and so forth. But standard uprights, you know, 80-20 type cockpit, uh, seat, you know, pedal tray, you know, flat place for the, the wheelbase. And then it looks like, you know, a D-box on each, on each corner style uh, motion. But they didn't, the front ones aren't on the corners, they're about halfway back. Kind of a different style. So they call it a 3DOF, pitch roll and heave, order now button. And uh, yeah, and it looks like you can't uh, get it shipped to the U.S., darn. And I still haven't found a price either. No, I was looking for that. I went to the order now, but it doesn't actually let me do anything. Right, because we're in the U.S. or North America. And then I can't, and I don't know what kind of D-box uh, style motion that is. It, that, it might be their own style motion. I don't see a, a brand on it, except their own. They have their own brand on it. So maybe they have built their own motion actuators is what it looks like. It looks like there's own, like it's their own. If you go to products, they have the SR1 and the SR2. They look pretty much similar, just the base is a little bit different. So it's a relaunch of the product that they've had. Uh, looks scrolling down, it looks like Barry Roland from Sim Racing Garage has reviewed it as well. So we probably have talked about this before, but uh, I don't know what that means when they say relaunch. Pretty cool. Okay, uh, Donnie, you get this one. Frex GeForce. I was just watching it. There's a lot going on in this rig. Uh, the Frex GeForce simulator has eight actuators including seatbelt tensioners motion and we get this from time to time head motion and i'm watching this video and it looks like there's freaking rubber bands attached to your head that are attached to the back of your rig and it slides you back and forth i want nothing attached to my head that's going to dictate my movement but i'm also looking at it it looks great i just went on and on about how awesome the cxc simulators are this is great too but there just seems to be like a lot going on here that could go wrong and this would give me anxiety up, up for whatever. This You can't just hop in a rig and enjoy this one. You got to get stuff going, it looks like. A lot of to prep work. The, to the listeners, the head motion looks like a the when you're a kid, when you launch a water balloon. <laughs> one of those things you just strap to your head and it moves around. Yeah, I don't want nothing attached to my head no. that, can, that can move me. Now, there's so, like you said, there's so much going on here. Now, if you just focus on the seat belt tensioner and the way it's designed, they show it briefly in the video. It's got a, an actuator arm, like a hydraulic arm that the whole uh, seat belt attachment is hooked to that's going up and down and in and out, in and out. And given that, and you can see it's moving, you know, based on telemetry and that kind of thing. 
whoa, this thing is over the top. I see what you're talking about, Mike. It looks like a roller behind your back that the belts rest upon, and it rolls it back and forth, it looks like. Yeah, it's crazy, this stuff that's going on. So you got the belts pulling you, you got the thing pulling your head, uh, you got these straps around your head, it's pulling left and right. Now it's nuts. Yeah, I'll, I'll pass on this one. This one looks, it just looks like somebody's Frankenstein project uh, that they built. And it looks, I mean, they did a good job of putting everything together. They've even got fans on the components under a seat. Um, there's a lot going on here. Now, we've seen this guy work on this head uh, motion thing for the last two or three years. And, and it's evolved into this. I mean, this, this is just the latest iteration of it. What do you guys think about head motion? Do you need it? Do you want it? No. I think it's something I'd try, but I don't think it's something I'd want for my rig. There's an awesome Instagram video. Um, I think his name is Crazy Russian Hacker. I haven't seen him in years, but he tested out this head pulling device to pull up your, you know, to kind of give you stress relief in your back and you attach it to a door, you put your head in this device and then you crank on it as it pulls your head up. I'm just, I don't want nothing manipulating my, my neck or spine. Well, you know, get family and friends over here and they look at your racing ring and they're like, wow, this is crazy. No, it's not. It's just a stationary. Yeah. I don't, it doesn't, nothing moves. I mean, it, this is as simple as it gets. You just wait and see. I just don't tell people what it costs. That's all. And it doesn't move for that price. Oh, yeah. All right. The next one I will take is door for your rig. Trauma team racing. Uh, one of our listeners actually, who has a YouTube channel called trauma team racing. I think he's a, a doctor, ER doctor, but he also I races. Anyway, he shows us on his channel, how he made a door for his 80, 20 rig. Pretty freaking cool. He gets four, basically hinges, uh, and and you know spaces them out on the door. He kind of makes this door out of, uh, you know, profile pieces of profile and uh, hooks it up to the hinges and puts it right where my keyboard would be, and um, and it, it kind of encloses them. I mean, it's got a little platform he can lay his arm on as he closes the door, but. He can swing it open and step in and, you know, swing it closed. And he's got a nice little latch uh, that he that he found that's just perfect. And it latches closed and there's a little release that, you know, you have to unlatch it. Um, my, I love it. I think it looks cool. I think it's functional. I think I'd love to have some, another place to mount stuff, like another button box or whatever. Uh, but where do you put the keyboard? I actually asked him this in the video. I don't think I got a, res uh, a response, but uh, where would you put the keyboard? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm looking at my rig right now. I think you could just make it maybe a sh little bit shorter and go underneath. My I have the ASR keyboard tray where it's it's flat and then drops down at a 45. So I'm a good, I'm almost right at my kneecap where my keyboard sets at the bottom. So. I think I could do a door here. I'm. Th I was w listening to you talk, watching the video, thinking, "What in the heck's the purpose for it?" Um, but I didn't think I hated it either. I, it kept growing on me in that short time I watched it, and it wouldn't be uh, that expensive or hard to even accomplish if you go to something like tnets.com and get your uh, extrusion from there. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think of what I would want it for, other than just kind of resting. Oh, you could put a side panel on it and enclose it that way. Maybe put some something on there. I don't know. 
Well, he's got this flat piece on the top, the kind of like what I call a shelf, you know, armrest or whatever. But you could put stuff on there, like you could have a nice cell phone mount or maybe that SIM panel button box that we saw earlier from Dave Cam. Something like that could be mounted at the front of this door and it could still be functional. Drink holders, if you don't have a spot, can fit on this thing. But I, I love the ingenuity, um, thinking outside the box, like, hey, I want to build something and add to this and make it cool. And and he did. I like it. He's the same guys that uh, had like stretching and uh, techniques from a year ago or so. The same same people. Yeah, like you stretch out your hand or whatever. Right, you right, raise. right, so, right. Yeah. I remember that. I think that was right before I joined. And it might have been even the episode right prior to. All right, Justin, next is Pit Lane Sim Racing Formula Simulator. Yeah, introducing the Pit Lane Sim Racing Formula Racing Simulator cockpit. It's the world's first racing cockpit of its of its kind. It's based off an F3 proportions. Uh, FRS ushers the new generation of sim racing cockpits that bring together form and function at the end of unprecedented price point. And it's just pretty much F F3 cockpit, bare bones. If you click on the Instagram picture and go to the last one, you actually see the actuators are up because I was a little confused because it, um, the first picture, it seems like it's just kind of just sitting on the ground and it has nothing, no base or anything, like wheelbase. This looks sharp, and it's from Moza. I, I think that's just the, um, the license they got with it. I think Pit Lane Sim Racing is who makes it. But I'm looking at their pricing, so for it's kind of misleading here until you really get down into the nuts and bolts. But for just the tub, it's uh, $29.84. Oh, okay. Never mind. It's not just a tub. It's like uh, if you take the nose cone off and everything, it's twenty nine hundred. If you get the full look to it that you see in the, our thumbnail there, it's uh, thirty nine. And then you can start adding the components to it, all the sim stuff to it. But they they say it's the first of its kind. We've seen several formula style um, cockpits like this, but I think this is the first one where you can actually build a sim out of it through the same company, get all in one that actually comes with motion as well. So are you limited to Moza wheelbase only on this? Oh, you can actually add SimiQ bundle. Yep. Uh, it shows in the list or Moza or Thrustmaster. Yep. Oh, okay. You can add motion for another 8429. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Triple monitor stand, 1151. Now, I, I'm a little uh, neurotic. Mike, could you race NIS sitting in this thing? No, no. It would feel weird, right? For me, if I was a huge Formula fan or maybe even an F3 fan, since this is what it's built off of, I mean, that would be my go-to. I probably wouldn't drive. I couldn't do rally in this thing. It just feels so goofy or even dirt cars. So you kind of, in my, I would limit myself to, but I'm just weird. But yeah, I wouldn't be this able to. This would be a second rig for you. Yeah. Your secondary. That'd be my uh, open wheel cockpit. Now, I'm going to digress a little bit about secondary rigs. My wife has found a new hobby uh, buying stuff from this place down the street from where we live called Nellis Auction. And Nellis Auction basically takes Amazon returns from the big Amazon facility. Anything that gets returned to Amazon gets sold to Nellis Auction, and then Nellis Auction resells it to the public. 
And so she's on there buying this garbage. Like there's so much crap that she's bringing into our house. Um, but she sent me a link to a next level racing, iRacing branded cockpit, which retails for $1,100 on Amazon. And it's on auction right now for $300. Take my money. <laughs> well, I told her, look, I, buy it and I'll resell it and make some money. You know, we can resell it for 800 bucks or something. We can make 500 bucks or I can just take it and use it for like spare parts. So I can build like a door on my cockpit, like, you know, trauma team did or whatever. I, I could just use it like spare parts and stuff, or maybe I'll start a second rig, a formula rig. I remember in the early beginning stages of me uh, building my first rig, I was like, I'm just going to build two. I want an open wheel rig. I want a regular standard rig. And then I'll just use the same computer and I'll figure out the monitors down the road. Maybe I'll, but I never did that, but I've always wanted a, if I want to, you know, drive the open wheel cars, I want to be in like an open wheel type of cockpit. I've already, I've already had two cockpits planned out. Um, my wife's from Brazil, like I've mentioned before. So our future retirement plan is to reside there and come back to United States back and forth. So I want the rig I'm in now is eventually going to be there. Then I'm going to have my one there at home in the States. Sounds awesome. You're better off buying it down there than moving it. Yeah. Well, with the, their dollars real bad. And I think oh, that's the true. tariffs, then I've already looked it up. You can do those shipping container crates. And if you get on Reddit, there's been people that's moved from the States to Australia and done it. And it's worked perfect. And it takes a while to get, but oh, well. Yeah. So if my wife shows up with that $300 cockpit, I'll be happy, but I'm not going to go buy it myself. All right, Mac, how about an Asatec Invicta pedal review? Yeah. So it's, uh, it's Overtake GG. Uh, I'm just watching a bit of the video here. So he says uh, the Asetek Invicta pedals aren't for him. That's true. He did say that. And the reason is uh, cheese graters for uh, pedal faces. And he literally calls them cheese graters. Uh, they got big holes on them. Um, he, he doesn't feel, he doesn't have the feel with the shoes and socks um, that mo some other people do. And so he just doesn't like them. So does he like now, the actual pedals, just not the the pedal faces then? Exactly. In fact, uh, Asetek sells a, a different pedal face for these. He does show briefly that are a lot smoother, but they still have that cheese grater effect on them. Uh, and he still didn't like them. And if you recall, when these pedals first came out, a lot of people were complaining about the heel rest uh was a bad design like your heel wouldn't would get caught on the lip there and in fact there were people that 3d printed some little you know 3d printed pieces to combat that problem actually right off the bat so even though i'm really up on asatech with their wheelbases and stuff i don't know if i i am with their their pedals i've never been a fan really too many bad reviews like this one hey Donnie, how about the DD under $300? Yeah, we've mentioned this one before, but Boosted Media reviews direct drive wheelbases with a price point of $300, and it's the Camus uh, direct drive. That's the one, uh, the direct drive built into the actual wheel rim itself. Uh, what did he say about it, Mike? Did he like it? I, I don't, I know we've had Camus 
didn't Camus catch on fire sometime last year with one of their their uh, their other wheelbase that has the buttons on it and whatnot? The original. Yeah. yeah. What is uh, what does Will say about this one? I mean, it he likes it for what it is. I mean, for the price point, it is it, it's a good value. Um, now com- he does a good comparison with all the other wheels in the same price point, which are a little bit more, um, like the CSL DD or the Moza R5 and so forth. Um, and he, I, I think he feels like the Fanatec is just a better uh, value because you're buying into the ecosystem and that kind of thing. You can do different rims, and you know, with the Camus, you really can't do different rims. And his videos, as far as the force feedback, I mean, he loved it. I mean, it's, it's great. I don't know. I've never held this wheel. I've never seen it in person. I just looking at it, and the the concept behind it's a little. I don't know. I just think of the wheel rim should be separate from the base. It just looks goofy, but he titles the video Camus fires at Fanatec. Do you think Fanatec even looks at this thing as any kind of threat? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe for that entry level um, startup wheel, possibly. But I mean, we're getting pretty decent entry level wheels here. Um, that, well, I, I guess they're still five, six hundred bucks, but. And we'll talk about diameter of the oval wheel in a little bit, but um, I think it matters. I mean, this is a very small diameter. I don't know if if I would choose this one as my entry level wheel just because it's got that smaller diameter. I know one other thing he said is he wishes it didn't have the flat bottom. He wishes it was completely round for uh, like drifting and rally racing and stuff. He's got a video of him drifting there when he hits that flat spot on his hand as it's sliding through his hand you can see that like jump back and forth kind of in his hand a bit it's not a round wheel it's got a flat bottom is that what you mean yeah so he says he wishes for it being an entry he wishes it was a a round wheel so you can use it for anything all right i'll take this one it's called spend mike's money and i went into last weekend didn't planning on buying anything actually and then I saw some social media from MPI, Max Pappas Industries, and um, they put out a new wheel collection called the American Dream. And they have a few different options, and uh, I just fell in love instantly. Look, when I built my cockpit and I drew up plans for it and I made a parts list, steering wheel was part of the list. And I never got one because I never could find one that I wanted. I wanted one that had some color, some either red or blue that matches my seat or my belt or the cockpit. Um, I didn't want just something black. Um, I wanted a 15-inch wheel. Guess what? Go on go on Google and start looking at uh, shopping for 15-inch wheels. They're just not out there. I mean, every wheel out there is 13 or 13 and a half inches. And so to find a 15 is rare. Uh, to find one with the color is even rare. Now, the other checkbox that this check marks is I've always loved Max Pappas wheels. And I wanted a Max Pappas uh, seat initially when I started my cockpit plans. The color scheme was built around a Max Pappas seat that he had on his website that he actually to this day has never sold. He has a picture of a really cool sim seat there, but he's never had it for sale. Uh, anyway, I was going to go black and orange because of that, and I ended up going away from it because he didn't sell that seat. But uh, 
yeah, this still has the orange band uh, around the top, even though the rest of it is a, a red, white, and blue American flag kind of theme. It's got, you know, you can see the white stars on part of it and that kind of thing. Um, it's got the big foam uh, MPI, you know, round thing in the middle on the middle hub. Yeah. This I, is a NASCAR wheel, you know, next-gen wheel. I like it. I like the look of it. I like the fact that it's 15 inches. Um, I got lucky when I was building my first rig. Uh, the first oval rim I bought was 15 inches. Um, but I was, I'm going to ask you now, what size wheel do you use currently in the in the, the cup car? Manatech 13. So the 13 Manitech. incher. Using this 15 incher, and I never really put two and two together. You always hear about smaller wheels for the road courses and short. But at Chicago was the first time I felt like I was steering a boat with the big wheel. So I'm curious, because um, I think they use 13s for, for short tracks. And so are you going to switch back and forth from wheel to wheel or just see how it goes? I'm not. I'm going to retire the Fanatec wheel permanently. Why? Because I only have the one QR for the oval wheel. Oh, okay. And so it, it'll be problematic to switch them back and forth. But um, David and I were talking a little bit about, he thinks I'm going to wear my tires out less with the bigger diameter wheel because yeah, might, might actually be a benefit other than just having a cool wheel. Well, the other reason, and I told Justin this, um, as well, my hand goes numb during these races a lot. My right, my left hand, sometimes my right, both, um, I'm gripping the wheel too hard. Uh, the, the, the wheel is so used and used up. There's no grip left to it. It's like a real hard, uh, there, it's not spongy anymore. Um, and so this wheel I'm getting from Max Pappas, it, it, it's kind of got a bigger grip to it. It looks like, and it looks like it's spongy, like you can squeeze it a little bit. So I'm kind of hoping this helps with my hand problem too, with my hand uh, falling asleep, but I bought it. I couldn't believe, you know, the price Ugh, I spent $380 guys, but you know what? I've always had it on the list to get it. It was part of the rig project. I never, this was the one piece I never got because I never found one that hit all the check boxes. And well, guess what? This one hits all the check boxes. It's got the right look. It's got the USA patriotic, which I love. Uh, I got a lot of USA flag stuff already in my office. So uh, the red and the blue match up with the seat. I mean, it's just perfect. So it's shipped. I get it Saturday. So uh, this week will be the last wheel on the Fanatec uh, rim. I'm going to retire it. I guess I'm going to hang it on the wall or something. Okay, uh, Mac, how about the next one? TS Customs. Yeah, uh, TS Customs. It's. Uh, I didn't actually watch this video. It's a Sim Racing Pro FOV extension. It's a wheel extender, I guess you'd call it, or a QR extender. And the idea here is to get the wheelbase behind your center monitor and you can get the center monitor down right against the uh, QR, you know, as low as you can. Now I'm jumping ahead a little bit here because his um, next thing he talks about is those, those bezel free kits and He's got the extension and the bezel free kit. What would you do first in your upgrade path? Because I have the exact same list besides Versa mounts where I can adjust my screens. I got, I need an extension and I need the bezel free. 
Well, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the way he does the, the wheel extender is you, you got to purposely build your rig where that base is behind the monitors. And so that would be a total rebuild for me if I was to try to do something like that. But um, for me, I, I put a wheel extender on mine just to get to jut it out to get it close enough to where I want it. It wasn't about trying to get the center monitor, you know, in front of the base. Now, if you're doing really big triples, I, I think this would be important because you get that that you get a lot of vertical FOV. You could be able to see the dash, and you so you'd want to get that center monitor down as low as you can. Now he sells this. That's why he did the video. It's called TS Custom, and he shows a Fanatec direct drive base where he has to wire this thing in. You basically take out the original Fanatec uh, neck, as you call it, and you put in this new neck, and it's kind of a long one. And then, it, yeah, you mentioned the uh, the other part was the, the the thing that hides the bezel, the bezel free kit. And it looks like he just prints, you know, 3D prints the little mounts for those, and, and he sells those at the kit. Which is good because I don't think Asus is selling these things anymore. So the one he has right now is for the DD1 slash DD2. And then he has one for the SimuCube 2 that's in development. And he calls it an FOV extension, I guess, because he thinks it helps getting your FOV right, you know, by getting that wheelbase out of the way. I agree. I'm worried about flack. That's what I see when, when you look at the second picture on his website as you go down. There's a lot of weight on that neck that, you know, that blue neck that's sticking out, you know, from the wheelbase. I just feel like, wow, I want to see some video and see if there's flex. And you don't want flex there. Right. That's, that's what we all strive to get rid of, you know, is you don't want flex in the QR. You don't want flex in the wheel. You don't want flex in the wheelbase or anything that it's mounted to. What do you guys think about the bezel free stuff? Is that, that something you want to do? Yeah, you know what? You just brought up uh, 3D printed, so I went to Thingiverse to look at what they've got, and they do actually have something. Uh, it might be universal for 27 to 32-inch monitors that I might give a go, but uh, my bezels are only about an eighth of an inch or less thick, so I don't really get an issue with them, but it would be nice to have that clear like uh, that we see in Dave, Dave Cam's videos and whatnot. So it's been on my list to try. I just haven't really needed a, needed it yet. Bad enough, I guess. I'm kind of with Donnie, but if you think about it, when you're in a race really wheeling, you don't think about the bezels. Yeah, I, never once have I looked over there and went, ugh, um, you're just racing. Hey, Donnie, how about rc.net? Oh, okay, there's no picture. I'm sorry, I was down a couple. All right, haptic frames by rc.net, looks like. $6,500. Yeah, so basically you'd mount your, so it's a, we've seen a couple of these in the past, but it's a haptic frame, essentially what it is, is uh, it's a metal or some kind of structure that sits flat, then you mount your rig, 80-20 looks like you can mount to it with the mounting hardware there, and then the actual base itself moves instead of uh, having four posts attenuators or actuator, sorry, um, I'm moving you. So I'm curious what kind of travel you get. Um, I'm not a fan of huge, holy crap, 6,400 for uh, one and 84. So it's about in the ballpark for, for motion, it seems like. We saw one of these last week. I would think it was um, Sim Seats. They did a powder uh, 
Petty Blue uh, platform just like this, and it had four D-box on each corner. Uh, you just set the rig on top of it. We talked about Anthony Alfredo has shown off a couple of them uh, that are made from D-box directly that look just like this as well. And now our seat has one. So I think this is uh, something a lot of the the companies are getting into. It seems to be a, a easy way to do motion. It does seem easy and it's it looks simple. I don't want to say simple, but it looks very clean. It doesn't look like um, it's going to take away from the aesthetic of your rig at all. It looks pretty simple to install. You, you have uh, the four corners that you're going to attach. And if that doesn't work, you have a couple, uh, you have a groove that you can work with as well. Um, I like this idea. Um, if I ever have to go down the motion route, um, I, I, I like the I, look of this. The one last week looked better. Okay. Really did. Um, and the other thing you, you, you hit on is the clean look. Ask Brian McCubbin how many freaking wires are run around his motion rig. You know, he's got these big old thick cables that run to each actuator that run to this big power supply and power supplies are all lined up on the floor, you know, over on the side. And this thing's all self-contained. I mean, there's no, you don't see any wires, you know, it's all underneath. I'm looking at it now and you're right. Um, they have an underview of the bottom and it's still clean. Even the bottom's clean. Um, I'm looking at all the wire opportunities and, and it's ran through that middle housing. I'm just, I'm, that must be where the power supply is at as well, is inside that middle portion. And Very it looks nice. like all the weight, I'm just trying to look at the design of it, but when you attach it to all four corners, the weight still sits upon the attenuator. So it's got a good structural design to it as well. All right, my, I'll get this next one. This is a quick hit. I saw on a Facebook group called Sim Racing, somebody mentioned that track racer is going out of business in new zealand or something and um it wasn't quite true uh, we actually heard from the ceo of track racing in the thread and he said a couple things he said first i actually approved a production order for new zealand today but these goods will take three months to arrive uh, and then he went on to say we've sold over eighteen thousand rigs last year and I don't think I've heard a number like that from an industry professional about what is their volume. Wow, that's a lot of volume for Track Racer. Uh, 18,000? I had no idea they sold that many. Let's see, there's 10,000 on iRacing right now. Uh, how many members do we have? Active members, I'd like to know. We, uh, I think they say 100,000, right? Yeah. 18,000 seems high. Maybe not. Seems high, doesn't it? It seems uh, high. All the companies out there. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to question a CEO's comment. I mean, only they can prove it, but 18,000 seems like a lot. And then times it by how much the rigs cost. It's pretty good. Now his response was in from multiple people talking about the crappy track racer, a customer service shipping, uh, incomplete orders arriving with the wrong bolts or not enough bolts, you know, that kind of thing multiple shipments across several days, you know, all there's all those comments came up that we've heard about track racer in the past. And so this guy, Matt Steen, Sten is the guy, uh, he was in there kind of trying to defend his company. All right. We have another Camus wheel surprise, Donnie, uh, LP eight this time. All right. So this is more of a traditional type wheelbase and it's, 
It's a <laughs> sleepy pants sim racing. He reviews it, the LP8 from Camus. And he, I don't know how big his hands are, but he puts it in his hand, the actual wheelbase itself. And the one thing he liked about it, which I mean, it's kind of sad that this is the first one it looks like that you can attach whatever wheel you, you really want to it or any aftermarket wheel, I should say, directly to the wheelbase. You don't need an adapter of any kind. Uh, it's only eight Newton meters. He said that's a little weak for what he likes. But uh, yeah, this is, in my, my opinion, I would probably go this route before I go with that last wheel from Camus. Even better than the I other could. one they have. I don't even know what that other one was. That other one a direct drive or was it a belt driven? No, it was a uh, that was a direct drive, like a fifteen or twenty newton meter. This looks way better with the buttons on the front. Yeah, this one is a looks like a triangle. It looks like a D. It looks like a a Fanatec DD one. Imagine that, but make it a triangle. That's what it looks like. Trying to find a price here, for it here. Yeah, I haven't found a price. Um, but you're right. I think stepping up from the the three hundred dollar, you know, little all in one camas oval wheel with flat bottom to this LP eight, no matter what the price increase I think is worth it because you can put different wheels on it. You can put any wheel on it. You can put a big diameter wheel on it. All right. I found it on their website and I don't see a price. So it might be coming. I think it's new. Yeah. I don't know if it's actually for sale yet. Yeah. I don't even have but an option to there. put in my cart. Let's see anything else crazy on it. It is the eight Newton meters had carbon fiber, which I, everybody's got to give this video a watch. What was he? Sleepy pants, something. Did you like how I didn't know to take him serious or not, or if he was being sarcastic, but, uh, the delivery and his method through his video was, uh, pretty entertaining. Sleepy pants, sim racing. Yeah. And I do appreciate that when, when, uh, people make their videos a little bit fun to watch because uh, i watch a lot of these things i do like that carbon type fiber front though i think that <laughs> he was sharp. excited about the carbon fiber and the aluminum and then he said it's all the exciting things we like uh just the way he said it well and then he mounts the thing upside down is that right he said inverted so i don't know if he inverted. meant he used the word inverted and i don't know if he meant to to mount it like a, maybe a sprint car because their wheels are almost they're not straight up and down but they're they're pretty pretty vertical so i don't know what he meant by that but he used the term inverted right another wheel let's jump to results and talk nascar iRacing series let's finish up chicago friday open i ran p12 Pretty uneventful race. I hit the wall a few too many times and spun it once. Probably could have done a little better, but I'll take it. Greg Hectus. Spun early on and went to the back. Worked my way back up to the top 10, but then junked the car into the wall. DNF. Kyle Pendigraff. He got a meatball fairly uh, early and DNF. Sunday open. Donnie, peace up. So I, I ran this one with, I think Tom might have been in our race. Uh, David was in this race and my son was in this race and I did not take this seriously at all or how I should have uh, for how I ran. Um, I actually ran pretty well. I made a mistake of going down the front stretch and I was unclicking my tires and checking fuel and I went right into turn one too hot and uh, that pissed me off because I was running top 10. 
and um, I probably would have finished there. I had that speed, but um, I, I enjoyed it. I just kicked myself that it was Sunday and I waited so long to run it and I actually enjoyed it. So if they go back, I will definitely not overlook this race next year and uh, enjoy it a little bit more. It was the funnest road course I've ever run. I mean, I, I usually don't like those, and uh, but this one was fun. I mean, you could be aggressive, you could I really attack. I still can't figure out why, because we've been watching traditional road courses forever, and I thought this would never work. Always wanted to see it, but I was like, ah, it'll never happen. But then it finally happens, and I was like, damn it, that was exciting. And I didn't hate the race. I didn't, well, our race, the NIS race. Well, conventional wisdom tells us it's going to be a parade. There's going to be no passing at all. It'll be a parade, but it wasn't that way. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping for something cool down in the Southern California area next year that hopefully gets worked out and we'll see. Yeah, so I don't know where Tom Dryling finished, but um, after that race on Sunday, I held a uh, 101 point lead. I know he finished. Um, I'm not exactly sure where. And then David, he said he ran out of gas. He ran out of gas, missed uh, the pit entry. And um, later on, my son was like, I don't know what happened to him. He just kind of stopped. And I was like, yeah, I think he uh, I think he ran out of gas. So he may have done that. But uh, that pit entry was tricky. If you didn't practice it, I'm not sure if he did or not, but it was right off the corner. So you had to go in creeping around uh, to make it. But this is the first weekend and NIS that my son has ran faster than me all week. And he actually beat me in this race. I think he finished fourth in all his races. This one, he finished seventh. So he ran all four for the week and uh, on his little Logitech and desk and 27 inch single monitor whooping on me. All right, let's move on to Atlanta Dega. I'm gonna jump around a little. I'm gonna talk Tuesday night, practice races, A open. At Atlanta, I led the most laps. I won the race by one one thousandth of a second. It was my 94th career win. It was a classic side-by-side -side at Atlanta, coming to the line, bouncing off each other. Um, one, of the, one of our listeners put up in a Discord a, a screenshot of it because I actually beat his teammate. Um, and he said, I beat him by a trout's tail. <laughs> what he called it. A trout's tail so I decided to try again and see if I could back it up so I ran the next race and guess what we get our 95th career win led the most laps again Justin you came in at the end about five laps to go and started doing some spotting and I think you won me that race I mean you told me uh, you know where, when to switch lanes you know you were telling me top lane bottom lane you know this kind of thing and and we timed it just right and i won it yeah i was just letting you do your thing i was just giving you information i was just saying clear high quarter you know i was just giving you as much input as possible and i can't tell you how valuable that is in these type of races um to have that in your ear i i really feel like it make it, it made the difference so i got greedy you know, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered, a wise man once said. But I went for three, three in a row. Uh, so I ran the next one and I decided to go for a turkey and it was top split this time. But uh, my luck ended, I was wrecked out multiple times, didn't finish the race. So let's move on to Wednesday open. 
I got a P12. I was running 12th with my teammate on the outside, with the leaders on the inside. They got loosed and wiped out everyone but Justin. So Justin, I was pushing you. Uh, we were on the front of the outside lane, and and I don't know if you pinched them down or something, but he turned and he took us all out. But you made it. You made it through it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't. I actually watched the replay. I didn't get into him. The third place car bumped him in the wrong turn or the wrong time in the turn in turn four and it just wiped everybody but yeah i i didn't do too well i well, we actually did awesome i would say from the first quarter to the three quarter mark what were we one and two and lock them bumpers yeah you were pushing me i was pushing you we were looking good out there on the outside and we were making it work with just two of us really um so you you can make it work out there if you got a teammate um i went on to finish with damage uh, i was able to cross the line actually p4 but i actually got an incident from a wreck behind me as i was crossing the line on the white i got that black flag too many incidents and so that put me back to p12 Tom Dryling also got a P12. Now he's one split ahead of me because his I rating's higher and he gained 20 points, I think, um, even though we got the same result. Uh, Justin, you ended up P30. Uh, you said my fault at the end. Yeah, it kind of what I explained. Like I said, Mike, we dominated from quarter to three quarter mark and then we got a caution and I, I lined up fourth. I think you were third. And the, I hate when they they start in first gear. I wish people would practice starting in first gear before they actually try to do it in a race. Second place missed a shift, and I was all over him. It backed me up. Then everybody started taking me three wide, and you can watch the replay. My car got tight, loose, tight, which made it loose, and I floated up. It, it was all me. All right. And then also in our split was our new teammate at Tifosi Racing, Chris Walding and he said he just minding my own business last night and got clipped on lap 29 looked like he was dive bombing to the pits it was a DNF with eight minutes damage did the Xfinity right after the NIS and finished P5 welcome to the team Chris Thursday open hoping for a win but I got P18 I was running second with four to go and I got too many incidents a drive-through penalty and that put me back to finish P18. I, I just don't have the luck to miss the wrecks. I didn't have a damaged car much. I, I think it was two minutes damage, got it fixed, but I, I just can't miss these incidents. And so they, so I'm hitting the incident limit uh, every time this, this week. David ran with us, uh, it's summer. He got a P2 in top split, unbelievable, he said, Cut a guy a break that passed on the apron then was going to get a good push one on the outside for a shot but my pusher got wrecked still we'll take the top two and top split with the luck i've had and mckenzie how about you ran today with another p2 yeah i uh, i started fourth um i ended up taking the lead probably about 20 laps in led 23 laps or no it was more than 20 laps it was about 40 laps in Led 23 laps, then had to go for the green flag pit stops. And uh, yeah, I screwed that up and went way too fast going in. So had to hold for 40 seconds. I came out 14th when I came out, which wasn't as bad as I thought. 
Um, I was running a lap down pretty much the whole time until 10 to go. Got a got a yellow flag. So then I was P9 at that. Um, made my way up to seventh. Got another uh, yellow flag, so three to go. And uh, all the leaders wrecked on turn four, coming around for the checkered flag. I managed to get through it. Uh, the other guy on the high line kept going. I almost almost passed him, but I couldn't. So yeah, got a P2. So that's my best NIS finish. I was really hoping for the win, but I'll take it. Well done. You're knocking on the door. The win's coming next for sure. Keep at it. Let's talk other racing. I ran uh, Daytona prototypes at Talladega. Was running up front in the pack near the end. Second on the bottom, I pulled up and created what I call the new middle. The guy in the outside middle, he didn't realize it and hit me and wrecked the whole field. Then I ran for the first time. I've been waiting for this uh, for a week where I own the car, the Ringmeister series. This week at the Nord, it was a Toyota GR86. I went from 15th to 5th on the first uh, lap. Then I hit the wall and fell the ninth, and then I hit the wall and crashed out about halfway. DNF. Man, I don't want to give up my I rating, so I, don't, I think I'm going to be one and done, even though that sounds appealing. Uh, Donnie, you ran the Falcon Tire GT4 P9. So I had good luck in the last two weeks. I ended up winning the sports car challenge the last two weeks at Watkins Glen in Long Beach. Didn't think I'd ever win at Long Beach. Uh, but uh, the, fall, the the GT4 race was top split, so I'll take a P9 there. Um, I'm getting too high of an I rating now. I'm getting into the top splits and I'm getting my ass kicked. But uh, for the sports car challenge, super excited, building my own sets for it. And I start the race on my qual set, uh, not enough fuel. Um, that was last night, so I'm hoping tonight I can redeem myself. I was gonna run Xfinity, but I gotta get that sports car challenge race in, and I'll go in dry tomorrow for Atlanta NIS. David Hall in the Euro Sprint Series, P1. He wins in the Ferrari GTE at the Glen. He says, gonna miss this car when it goes away. McKenzie, a fixed P6. Yeah, I uh, started 10th in this one. I uh, restarted 4th with 10 to go. But every single time we did a restart in this race, the top line would just dive right down to the bottom line. So it fell apart on me. I uh, managed to squeeze my way into the line at 5th. Um, me and one guy tried to make an outside line going for the white flag, but nobody followed with us. So I ended up going 6th. Still, still ran good, but wish I could have did a bit better. I'm just glad I'm gaining some my rating and hopefully I can finally get out of these bottom splits soon. What's the good line to run this week? My races, it's been the bottom line because the top line just falls apart, but it sounds like it's all depending on the race. Nice. Depends on who's, who's in which lane. Yeah, it can be either way. Bottom lane's safe, but top lane's faster if you want to go up front. More risk though. All right, let's jump to final thoughts. Donnie Spiker. Um, not much. Um, haven't been able to race a lot like I wanted to in the last couple of weeks, but I uh, have a three-day weekend coming up, so hopefully I can cram some more races in. Uh, Ringmeister Mike, I'll be doing probably Saturday uh, will be my day for that one. I hope it goes a little bit better than the Mercedes GT3. I just felt like a lot of the guys in the lobby were uh, racing for the first time, it seemed like. A lot of unsafe rejoins. They didn't seem to give a shit about a little bit better in this car um and uh, actually i'm i'm starting to really enjoy 
that track that track's amazing just to go out there and drive i think what i learned at ringmeister is and i i prepared for this i actually been running laps by myself uh trying to make sure i i know the track and i'm not going to go off but when i get in race conditions it's a whole nother animal I wasn't ready for race conditions. I really wasn't. Especially with somebody behind you and you don't know exactly where you want to let them go. Cause it seems like they have no patience and it's a freaking eight mile long track or however big it is. Like I'm going to let you by, just give me an opportunity, but they don't want to wait. They want it at the next corner. And that's been my problem. Right. Greg Hectus, you showed back up. What's your final thoughts? Yeah. Sorry about that. I guess I had to go uh, get my shoulder looked at, but um, I just, uh, it's been tough racing the last little bit here. I, I had races last week. Uh, I think Mike, we were in the same split one of the nights, uh, at, uh, Chicago there and spun out early and had to come from the back, got to the, got back into the top 10 for driving through the field. Um, and you know, just beat myself both times on the races. And I just, I don't know what it is. It's just, a little bit different i did switch to uh, vr this recently to uh race so um see if that's a different thing i would go back and forth between triples and vr every once in a while so um just just trying to find my rhythm here in the summer the summer months are always the tough time of year to be motivated well i gotta i gotta toot your horn a little bit greg i mean at chicago you spun in i think four you you waited patiently to let the entire field go by before you tried to re you know turn your car around, and I think you were twenty fifth, and then you marched your way right back up to like P ten. Yeah, and then I just wheel hopped, or something. It just I missed a breaking point by just like probably you know maybe less than ten feet, and uh, just couldn't make the corner. And these cars, if you break anything on them, it's just you're done. So. Um, I had fast laps. I was doing really good. Um, that Sunday morning one, I was really confident about coming back through the field. I got, I got spun on the Sunday morning one by uh, a guy that lost it off the corner and he saved it while I was underneath them and kind of just hit my corner and spun me around. And I waited for the field again and did the exact same thing. And then, you know, I broke myself again on the Sunday morning. All right. Final thoughts, Justin Pearson. Don't got too much this week. Uh, don't be afraid. Uh, it was kind of intimidating at first, the thought of it. I built my own button box, and that alone, I think, has gained me IR, uh, I rating. Just it's so easy. I don't make dumb mistakes on pit road managing my race. And just, yeah, that's about all I got. Um, that's a neat. I'm kind of proud of myself. Never done anything like that before. All right, well done. Sounds handy. Uh, Mackenzie Stevens, final thoughts. Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks since I actually really did any races. So getting that sixth and that second today was nice. I, uh, I definitely got to work on green flag pit stops, though. And in, in my splits, I don't get many chances to actually do them. So screwing that one up today really sucked. But uh, I'm hoping I get to run Atlanta again. I really like it. I seem to be fast there. I always qualify well. So hopefully I can get another another race in. All right. Well, my final thoughts, man, I sure want to win at Atlanta. Uh, pretty cool to get my 93rd, 94th career win there. But it was A-open. I, I need the points in NIS. And so 
I'm not having any luck in NIS. I got one more start tomorrow night, hoping for some good points, trying to maintain that points lead over Tom. Tom's making me earn it, guys. Uh, I need to get in the same split as him at least, so we're getting the same points. So trying to gr grow that I rating a little bit. Excited for the new wheel coming from Max Pappas Industry. Uh, it's, uh, like I said, check marks all the boxes. I can't wait to try it. So uh, I haven't validated whether I can mount it to my QR and my wheel extension, but I'm sure it'll work somehow. Um, I don't know how it couldn't, but I didn't validate it. I just, uh, it was one of those impulse purchases, man. You go on the website and it, you get that Apple Pay button. You just have to push it once and boom, it, it's yours. And that's what I did. And with that, hey, we'll see you on the track later.